What's happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Oz, Benji Wozniak, and this week we have author Gloria Haas on to talk about her new book, The, J- the Dick Jorgensen Murders. How's it going, ma'am? It's going pretty good. So uh, I have a couple of questions. How did you come up with the idea for this book? Well, the idea, I like crime fiction, and I was listening to some cold cases, and I thought, well, I could write a cold case. Nice, nice. <laughs> Doing something different, more creative. So that's how I came up with it. Uh, it's a really good read. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. It's not my genre, but I actually found it being very interesting. I, it was an easy read. The characterizations were great. Uh, you did a wonderful job. Thank you. I, I did my best. No, you did. So why did you start writing? When I initially started writing, I was um, in my mid-30s. Gosh, 30 years ago. Wow. Um, That's a long <laughs> I time. I became disabled. Oh. <laughs> I know. Time flies. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, I had become disabled in my mid-30s. I was going to college full-time as a criminal justice major, of all things, yeah. and working part-time. And then after a few years of boredom, my doctor suggested, why don't I start writing a book? And that's how I got started writing. Well, I'm glad he did. And you can see your criminal justice uh, background into this book. So you did a wonderful job. Thank you. You're welcome. So what actually inspires you? Tell your readers what inspires you. What inspires me? What inspires you? Like, like what inspires you to want to write? Like, like you see something and go, I want to put that to paper. Exactly. Um, it was, and then it's, what inspires me, especially for writing, is I try to keep personal life out of it. Understandable. <laughs> you know, people, but that doesn't mean I don't put names in, first and middle names, you know, change the names around and stuff yeah. and, you know, get revenge that way. But <laughs> I know there are other writers who do too. But when Understandable. Because <laughs> legally, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> I know nothing. I'm, I'm innocent. Exactly. <laughs> just a podcast just so host here. I don't know who these people really are. <laughs> just an end that popped into my head. There you go. <laughs> but what inspires me is I'll listen to things or I'll hear the situation on the news and stuff. Or like I said, cold cases. And I thought, well, how could that, you know, what does that look like on paper? What, it would, what would the characters actually be doing? How would they carry it out? So it goes a step further. And I'm also a visionary yeah. like Jeanette Bauer. Yeah. And I start seeing images on the real cold case. So then I just add the fictionalized form, the fictionalized lives, and I just write it that way. And if it happens to parallel with an actual cold case, it's not something of my initial, of my intentional doing. Right. It's just, it's just a creative writing. It's, it's the creative writing flow. It's not something you intentionally do. Right. So that's, you know, I see that and I thought, okay, then if I see that, if I only, I, I don't see the whole story. I see parts of the story yes. when I have my visions. So then I get to fictionalize, okay, he threw an axe. Okay. He's an axe thrower. So what do I do? Okay, I investigate in that area. What do they have for axe throwing? And then how many bars are there? Are there venues for that? Where are the venues? So then I actually just start fictionalizing. And Understandable. Narrowing it, narrowing it down. I, I get that. I get that. So uh, this book just recently won the Firebird Book Contest for uh, thrillers and the thriller genre. Um, how does that make you feel? It feels great. After It's my first book to have won an award. And- 2016, I won a best. I had a best-selling book in nonfiction, 
and I have always wanted an award in the fiction area. And I'm t- and I've noticed that I had sustained a head injury two years ago, I'm sorry. and I had to relearn things. I had a learning disability before my head injury, so writing adjectives, writing more compelling was very difficult for me because it just didn't sink in. And now, apparently, the da- one of the damaged areas is my learning disability, and my brain is just picking things up very quickly. I can sit and, you know, really write. And what I did was um, I asked some friends who helped me. Uh, one person said, read James Patterson because you have a similar style. So I started listening to audiobooks by, you know, and then Patterson, and I really like Patterson's style better. And I said, yeah, that is closer to mine. So how can I make my style? And he, you know, he's a multimillionaire. Yes, he is. Make- <laughs> yes, he, yes, <laughs> he is. As compelling as his. So yeah. that's how I went about being able to write better book and win an award. So mm-hmm. Excited. Very nice. Yes, I've read many of Patterson's books, and you're right. The, your genre and his style—they do—they do kind of flow together. I see that now. Now that you mentioned that, that was one of your inspirations. So I, I definitely see that. Now, the Firebird uh, Award is given by the Speak Up Talk Show. Uh, do they plan on like having you on? No, um, they only have the overall grand prize winner. I wasn't the overall grand prize winner, but that's okay. I still had an award. I'll say you're still there. I mean, you know, you placed. I mean, that's that's just as good. I mean, you you know, you got you you got recognized for your work, and that's all that anybody really wants is to be recognized for the work they put in. Exactly. Now, are you thinking of franchising Jeanette Bauer and the Bauer Detective Agency like Patterson did with his books? Yes, I already have a second book. I had a second book in mind. I already had one. And then I had another one. And then a third one. I thought, you know, and the storyline just wasn't gelling with the three with the three books. And then I came up with a storyline where everything gelled and I'll start working on that in September. Oh, that's awesome. That's kind of like uh, what Stephen King did with his uh, Doc Tower uh, series. All his books that he wrote prior it really had nothing to do with anything together, but then he tied them all in with the Doc Tower. I like that. That's a good That's a good concept. So looking through your profile, you also have a web series where you post visions and confirmations. And did that inspire the protagonist's psychic abilities in your book? No, actually, I wrote my book before I had Visions and Dreams uh, web series. Okay. And actually... Um, I started writing that last year, and I just started this year with my vision series. Okay. Because I started receiving a whole bunch of messages, and like, what do I do with them? And I, you know, I've received so many messages in the past, and just didn't know what to do. And I really felt like now was, and I had put on a different YouTube channel those messages, and they just didn't go anywhere. And now. The messages are going somewhere, and one woman confirmed that the message I had for her was the message I had was for her. Oh, that, so I'm just going to continue with. Yeah, you know, that's really good. I mean, that's good. You know, that's what it is. It just takes like one one drop, and then the well opens. You know, I mean. So, I mean, you get to that one person. She's like, yes, you're right. So, I mean, that's where it starts. It's just not one person, you know? So that's good that you're reaching people and, you know, you're helping people. I, I, I think that's a wonderful thing. You know? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So what kind of research did you do to prepare for this book? Just the detective novels and what else? I actually, actually the name is after someone I used to know who has passed already. And I've always been from Minnesota. Okay. And always liked his name. 
started doing research on, you know, the origin of the name. Okay. It comes from Norway, Norwegian. And I thought, okay, instead of, you know, cold cases can be however many years old, you know, you can make them up to be 50 years and 40 years or 30 years. And I looked at remembering a conversation we had when his family came over from Norway. Yeah. And I thought, what did they do? And I started looking at agriculture, whether his family did or not. Then you had the agriculture for the immigrants. You, um, they had apprenticeship programs. So I started really started looking into that and thought, where would be the point of entry? And then where would he need to travel in order to start with these? Oh, they come in through, let's say, New York. And it's like, then they need to travel to Chicago or they came into Chicago and then they have to go somewhere else to start. So that was, that's where I was able to start my journey of his life in, in doing that. And quite a few of them wanted to live off grid and some of them wanted more modern conveniences, but I won't go into which one he did so people <laughs> won't buy the book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't give us spoilers here. <laughs> no, so, I'm just going to give a teaser. <laughs> So I, I actually can relate to that the journey because my family came from Poland and they came through Ellis Island, went up to Minnesota, migrated down to Chicago. And my family's ancestry basically is from Poland to Chicago and then to Massachusetts. So I, I get that that adventure. You know, uh, there is a, a a station up in Minnesota that does um, migration uh, immigrations, isn't there? I don't know. I think, I, just, I think there is. I think there's Ellis Island, and I think there's another one up in Minnesota. Because uh, at the time that Dick Jorgensen immigrated, he had to come in through a different one. So I didn't look at anything modern. Yeah. I just looked at the time frame of when he came over yeah. with his father. Yeah, Understandable. Um, so your best-selling novel is Navigating Life with Multiple Personality Disorder which you have said, correct? Yes, so, I do. So was that difficult as a child, like growing up? Did, did it affect Actually, you? Actually, it affected me more as an adult than as a child. I remember my mom coming into the room yeah. and she was asking me, who are you talking to? I'm talking, because she would hear me carrying on a conversation. Yes. And then she would hear a different voice. Yes. And it was, and she was in the kitchen and I was in the living room playing with my toys. I wasn't even, I think I was like, or it was just before kid, the year before kindergarten. And my mom comes in and just sees me there. But in my head, I could see there was another personality. And it was just like I was just talking with my inside friends. And she just looked at me. So she sort of knew that something was going on. But she always treated me like I was a child. Right. And you have to, of course. Yes. Yeah. What else do you do? Her family was big on putting people into sanitariums. Yeah. And that's the last place that she wanted me as a sanitary. Yeah, because it would have done you no help. <laughs> By the way, that they don't they don't really help. They don't know um, multiple personality disorder is something that's really hard to to deal with. I mean, Herschel Walker, the football player, uh, had multiple personality disorder, and uh, in the seventies, eighties, they kind of hit on it with um, Sybil, but they didn't really like. It, they just made a movie out of it. They didn't really get into the, the actual problems that people face with it, and a lot more people have it than people realize. Right. And in my time, my mom knew that something was up with that because I had gotten hooked on old movies Yes, um, when I was in high school, the black and whites that were on TV. And she said one day, she's, um, that's when we had the old fashioned paper TV guy that came yes. in the Sunday paper. Yep, I love that. <laughs> yep. 
happy days. I, I like reading those ones. <laughs> those were fun. It's a, that way, you know, it's like, oh, I can't go out with my friends because this is going to be on, you yep. know, because I really was, you know, attached to watching the movies. And I remember my mom had said, Gloria, there's, you know, a, a movie I would like for you to watch. And she watched it with me. It was The Three Faces of Eve. Oh, yeah. I yep. believe that was with Joanne Woodward. Yep. And my mom, and I just looked at it, and my mom asked me, how do you feel afterwards? I just said, I don't know. But I, as I got older, you know, I had missed my entire junior year of high school. Yes. It was it was a different personality. And when people came to me in my senior year talking with me, it's like, are you? And I lost quite a few friends, especially the, the girl I had lunch with every single day, Monday through Friday through the entire school year. I didn't know who she was. Oh, yeah, that must have been hard. I mean, as a child, I mean, when you have something like, like a multiple personality disorder and you're in public schools or in school, you know, it, it's it's difficult because, you know, the, the other kids don't understand what you're going through. And and let's face it, kids are mean. I mean, they don't want to be, but it's, just, it's in their nature. They If they don't understand something, they poke fun at it, you know? So that, that's how what I've seen about children. I mean... Actually, the, the kids... Well, this was high school. Oh, but, that, yeah, that was in high, my junior year of high school, and I met him yeah. in my senior year. But no one ever poked fun of me when I grew up at oh. all. They just, you know, left me alone. And, yeah. and I and my alternate personality went by my name. And But what was really hard was in my senior year, I'm in... Um, um, a more difficult biology class. Yes. And it's like, I don't even know any of this stuff. Yes. Because the brain goes ahead and sees itself as different personalities. Right. And the knowledge from, let's say, Sally Joe. Right. Is not going to be in my main personality. Yeah. And from, you know, what Julia learned is staying with Julia. Yeah. So right. my learning, uh, even though I still had a learning disability, it was it was harder for me to get through class. I would have to study and cram, and I just couldn't remember things because I wasn't. I was dealing with a divided brain, like Trivial Pursuit, with all the different wedges in the pie. That's where all like my information was. Yeah, that would be that would be very difficult actually, because you figure you know one one personality retains the other one, you know doesn't know what they retain. So that would be very difficult. So it's, it's an inspiration that you, you, you got through uh, high school and, and you've done things you've done. I mean, well, you should be proud. Yeah, I am. And I integrated all the personalities years ago. And this past year, I ended up creating another one. I'm like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden I'm talking with someone and I'm hearing voices and I'm just like, and this was a month ago. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> introducing you know that would be rough that yeah i mean you already have the personalities you've already coped with and then to add another one that would be difficult it really was because on the integration you get all of the memories yeah back and all of this trauma and everything comes back so it's just like having a fresh memory and reliving all that abuse and trauma and whatever else all over again. And I thought, why did I create? And I said, why did I create you? She said, because you weren't feeling safe where you live. I said, I feel safe now. And I did get her integrated. And I think, I hope. And all as well, yeah. but I also started seeing things that were missing, different plate, you know, things were misplaced. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I, so I, 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 that would be hard, like for me, because like I'm a, I'm a person that like I'm very, everything has to be intricately put, like everything has to be where it has to be. So another personality to come in and move something that would aggravate me to no 
And I, I, I just wouldn't know what to do with myself because like I have yeah. stuff here and it's right there and that's what it has to be. And then if I, you know, went into another personality and it came back and it was missing, I'd be like, what is going on? <laughs> you know what I mean? That would drive me nuts. Would you like to wake up and find your keys are missing? Oh, no, I couldn't. All you hear is <laughs> laughter in your head. And I ended up asking them, where are my keys? Why are you being so mean to me? And I ended up going to the maintenance man where I was living who bought me an extra key. So don't tell them because it will charge you. Yes. I said, I can't find my keys. Well, I had an appointment with my therapist that day. And she said, I don't think they meant to be mean. I'm just being mischievous. I said, well, it, you know, I need my keys back. Yeah. And the next morning they were back in a different place. Right. They were being playful. <laughs> yeah. They were actually at my place on the table where normally I would put them on the table by the door. Right. So it would have been obvious that, that I would have seen my keys if they would have been on my table because there was nothing else on it. So I have a question. Mm -hmm. What made you decide to publish self-publish on Amazon? Because I, it's very difficult to get published through traditional publishing house. Oh yes. And, <laughs> yes, it and, is. <laughs> <laughs> and also the royalties. Yes. I don't, I, I don't want three to five cents for each book. Understandable. Understandable. They gouge you. Yep. They yep. do. Yep. And then they mark up the, I know they need their, you know, their publishing prices back, but you, the author can't really survive on it unless you start getting a big name like Grisham, where you get a million dollar advance or $2 million advance to, yeah. to write your book. And how often is that happening? Yeah. And so I went ahead and I self-published with all of my books. I went through iUniverse in the beginning and then I transitioned over to Amazon because of the templates. Yes. I didn't have to hire a graphic designer. I could design my own book covers nice. with pictures. And now what I like about the template is you can put in the book cover you don't have to do the spine or the back anymore the template automatically does it for you oh that's very nice that's very it nice. is yeah, that's very it nice. really is now does so, does amazon help promote the book no they don't no so you have to self-promote just like you do when you're with a regular publishing house all publishing house does is put it on their website nice and it <laughs> says okay that's the way that's as much as we're published as we're going to promote your book the days of and you still have to do book signings. The days of the publishing houses, yeah. because a lot of bookstores closed down, yeah. they used to, they still send the books out to the bookstores. But it's up to you to write the marketing plan when you when you send your book in. Right. And they are going to make sure that, okay, are you going to be doing, you have to do this traveling, you have to do that. The virtual, like Janet Ivanovich, she is constantly pushing her books on media, trying to find, you know, also with the pandemic, it's difficult. She found a way to go and with, I guess her book had to do with cookies. She went to a bakery and people had to pay $5 and that was for the shipment of the cookies to get out. But it's, it's just easier to do online virtual stuff now because the people internationally can get involved. But that's what a traditional publishing house expects. They want to see how much you're going to bust your backside yes. for, to promote the book. And they expect a certain amount of money to come back. Now, since you've become a, a best-selling author and you're doing very well on your own, has a publishing house reached out to you? No, they haven't. Oh, no, good. They shouldn't because you're doing fine on your own. You don't need them. <laughs> so let me ask you, your book with the multiple personality disorder and the Dick Jorgensen, the characters both have have personal issues in their lives. What advice would you give someone who has both of these or one of these um, traits? 
Well, with the multiple personality disorder, um, when I was in therapy and started integrating my personalities, my therapist told me a lot of the people don't like to integrate because after all of them are integrated, it's like, who are you? Who is your personality? You have to start round up likes and dislikes. So it that's that's not not it's not easy and not hearing the voices in your head, it gets very quiet. So and then some well actually no, because when you're used to years of hearing chatter going on in your head and then it's quiet, it's it's very different to get used to. I can imagine it really is. And I start talking to myself to fill that void. But the people don't want there are people who don't want to do it because they don't want to have to deal with the trauma. And I can understand that, yet they're dealing with that trauma every single day. And once they get past that point of integrating the personality, the major part of the pain for me was gone. It was, it's still there. I still have my triggers, but it's not as painful as having to relive it every day. I was able to, through therapy for many years, putting things going forward. I'm sure people who live with this disorder would, um, are happy to hear what you're saying and you know, they help, hopefully help them get through it as well. Question. Now, mm-hmm. art, art imitates life. In a lot of the, uh, your book, your character is dealing with spirits. So in movies, they have like poltergeist and sixth sense. And it's basically the spirits talking to children. Do you feel that that's because children are innocent and their souls are pure? Or do you feel there's another reason why a spirit would first reach out to a child and try and, you know, speak to a child? You know what I'm saying? We don't know that they first reached out to the child. No. That's just in the movies. Well, yes. Because the child actually has more of an open mind. Yes. And won't discount oh, what is that weird thing? You know, yes. And yes. where somebody says something weird's going on, and there are people, adults, who stay away from the paranormal because it scares them. It's the unknown. Right. But a child is curious and they will keep, they will go further and further with it and see how far it will take them only out of curiosity. Say. Yeah. I understand. That's, that's exactly what I was looking for. I wanted to know what your, your viewpoint on was that, you know, cause like, I, I think like you just said, it's because a child, a child's curious, like a child's innocent and a child's more likely to be like, I want to know, you know, cause they're learning. Whereas an adult will shut it out and be like, no, this is not something I want to deal with. This is something I don't want to have to deal with at all. You know, yeah. you said that you have to do your own promotions and stuff. Are you doing any book tours or anything like that to help promote this book or uh, uh, any upcoming shows that you want to tell your, your listeners about or your, or your readers? No, but they can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I just do a lot of social media promotion. Um, that's great. How did you hear about what's happening? I saw you on one of the podcast groups. I'm in. <laughs> yes, I, in I'm doing a lot of my own self-promotion too. <laughs> <laughs> And you're right. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I read your book. I thought it was an amazing read. You did great character developments. Um, I highly recommend that people read this book. Is there anything you'd like to leave off with? No, just if somebody you want to write, then write. Don't think it, that you might not be good enough. <laughs> Excuse me. It doesn't matter. As long as you're happy with what you're doing, then do it. Yes, I, I 100% agree. I tell people all the time, like I know people that write and they'll be like, oh, I, I don't like what I wrote. And I'm like, Stephen King it will, will be the first one to tell you if you read his book about writing that most of the great manuscripts end up on the floor because people are so insecure about their own writings they throw them out or they 
they don't believe in themselves. And, you know, you really got to believe in yourself. Exactly. And once you write it, don't crystallize if somebody doesn't like it. Yes. They're not rejecting you. They're just not wild about the way you write. Right. And then it someone has might be. to do with you. It's like there are people who don't like Grisham or Patterson or Ivanovich or Rosemary Rogers. There's me plenty of people who will. Yes, that's 100% right. Because for everyone that doesn't like you, you might have four that like so. Like, I, I, I think you're right on that asset, uh, assessment. So it was great having you on. I hope we can do it again. Next book you have, uh, keep me in mind. And uh, once, I will. Once I get, once I get this all um, edited, I'll let you know and we'll get this done. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk again. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was Gloria Haas on her new book. I hope you all liked it. Uh, and please tune in next week to What's Happening.